Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for March 20th, 2016. Koyo Kobose here, so very glad you joined us. I'd like to just mention something about sports. I, I don't know if you're sports fans, uh, <clears throat> but the theme really is about friendship, but not take, uh, reflecting on one's life. Uh, relationships, interpersonal relationships, and um, just the awareness of it. And I suppose some gratitudes in there. Um, But I have a friend who I share uh, basketball. We had that in common. And this is March Madness. This is where NCAA college basketball goes into the post-tournament play to determine the national champion. And there's 64 teams that get chosen uh, at the beginning of March, and then uh, they have uh, there, there are certain four regions of the country, then there's uh, 16 teams in each region, and there's one seed one, and down to seed 16. One and 16 play together, two and 15, and so forth. One and done. If you, uh, and uh, there's a big deal about, your, they call it brackets. You choose, you're working on your brackets, choosing who's going to win. The newspaper, they always print out the whole all the brackets, and then you fill out who's going to win and who's going to advance on and then play the winner of the other games, and then it starts to narrow down to the, well, it goes to the, from 64, it goes down to 32, then it goes to the Sweet 16, then it goes to the Elite 8, then to the Final Four, Final Four teams that are left, and this year will be played in the final four will be played in Houston. And then there's a national championship. First week in April, I guess. So a lot of people they pick out their brackets and see how many correct predictions they, they can do. Well who do you think is going to win the national championship this year? And of course all through the season regular season, um, AP, Associated Press, and other sports groups rank the teams nationally. Some teams were, oh, number one, you know, based upon all these kind of formulas, who's the best team in terms of ranking. And in the first round of March Madness, sometimes the lower seed team creates an upset. And this year, a lot of 15-seeded teams in a certain region beat the number two. It's pretty rare. A 16 has never beaten a one yet. <laughs> but 15 can beat a two. 14 can beat a three. So how do you decide all the pundits making their predictions. Well, 
my friend and I have a friendly contest to see who can pick the winners and so forth. And uh, sometimes we do a separate one for the teams that we picked originally are not in the final four. We would do a separate one, follow up for that and things like this. Uh, and sports is a big part of our friendship. We would call each other on the phone, maybe a Super Bowl time or things like this when a championship game is on, and uh, we kind of banter back and forth. You think so-and-so is going to win? Ah, you know, you're getting senile, or this and that. And, uh, but... We've been doing this for over 40 years. <laughs> he lives. He used to live in New York. Now he, he lives in Florida. And, of course, I was in the Midwest, and now I'm in California. And we rarely got together. We rarely interacted except for these sports things. And we met when we were both on the faculty at North Carolina, and uh, back in the early 70s, I think 1970 maybe, 45 years? Wow. Uh, and sometimes we talk, we comment on this. You know, that's I think it's kind of rare to keep in touch, and sports was the basis of it. And I think everybody has certain friendships. There's different kinds of friendships, and maybe some of them are based on Gender, different activities. Um, maybe there's friends that were where they they're uh, local and you get together with them. Some you, of course, friends could be family members, relatives, or co-workers, or something where everybody has special relationships of different kinds. So I'm just mentioning this one, which is based upon sports, and we we only email or. You know, talk on the phone once or twice a year. And when we were together in in North Carolina for about three three or four years before our ways parted, and um, every weekend usually we we played sports together, just pick up games on on the weekends play basketball and touch football and uh, so there's a lot of history a lot of memories and when we stop to reflect on one's on one's life and the role of friendship uh, I think there's something very gratifying it shows the richness the depth the complexity that makes up, you know. Now, sometimes maybe we do this more when we get a little bit older, but because of the fact that we have a history, of course it could be done, it's relative. So anybody, you know, a rich life is not measured in the number of years, but uh, there is something to the fact that when you get older, you got a lot, a lot of memories over the years and it adds something to the quality and richness of life. Today I want to introduce 
Our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse, Michael Shinyo. He lives in Texas. He was part of our LM3 group back in 2010 when he finished the program. He became a Bright Dawn Lay Minister. So let's hear from Michael Shinyo. title of my Dharma Glimpse today is All in Finn. Let me first introduce Finn. We now have four cats and two dogs. Our latest addition was not by choice. He sort of invited himself in. This black kitten, not a baby, but not cert- uh, but certainly not full grown, showed up on our porch every evening for about three weeks. He'd stay the night on the porch, then leave in the morning as everyone headed out to work and school. I decided to follow him one morning to see where he went. I kept my distance and watched him run from bush to bush, then across the street. He was living in a wood pile just a couple blocks away. One day after tossing him out three times in a row, I decided to let him come in for a while. He was very persistent. Generally, I would put him out if we had to leave, um, but this one day I decided to take a chance and left him inside for an hour or so while I ran some errands. When I came back, I found him sprawled out on a pet pillow that none of the others would claim. He now also claims a pet bed that the others won't use. The other cats were not at all excited by this visitor. For that matter, my wife and I did not want another pet either. However, this persistent little guy managed to win everyone's hearts, even a cat and a boy who wanted nothing to do with him. We have one milk cat, He's very large, probably twice the size of the new cat, Finn. At first, he lacked patience with Finn's playfulness. Now they're buddies. Sometimes we'll even find Finn lying next to Saturday, the big fluffy guy, with his front leg across him. As you can tell, Finn made himself at home. Finn didn't care who liked him or not. Finn is just Finn, and everybody loves him. This isn't the first... uh, This is the only lesson that I've learned from Finn. When Finn does something, he is all in. If he is the mindset of play, it is all play. Don't try to pick him up to play or to pet him while he's playing. It's playtime. When he does want attention, he is all snuggles. When it's time to eat, he only wants to eat. And everything he does, he is all in. This reminds me of an essay in one of my favorite books, The Center Within, by Reverend Gilme Kaposi. In the essay, he talks about doing something so intensely that you forget yourself. Forgetting oneself is selflessness or suchness. Finn taught me a lesson on one-pointedness of mind. As Reverend Kabose wrote, Buddhism is learning how to live by forgetting oneself. Wow, Finn, thanks for demonstrating this. Now when I find my thoughts scattered, I can think to myself, Finn is all in and forget myself. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think this is a very simple but deep teaching. And sometimes that phrase is used to describe the Reverend Yome Kubos's, uh approach, how he communicates the teachings. And uh, right now, currently, one of our groups, the LM9 group, is working on uh, the unit for everyday suchness. And then after that, they'll go to, to 
to center within. Our curriculum is based upon uh, the books and writings of Reverend Yomi Kubose. It's a heavy part of the curriculum. And quite common when they they start reading books like Everyday Sessions, the participants say, oh, simple but deep, <laughs> you know. Buddhism is to forget oneself. You know, how to... <laughs> How to unpack this? When you do something, do it 100%. Okay? And then when you're finished, you, do the, you go on to the next thing and do it 100%. And sometimes my father used to mention his teacher, Reverend Haya Akigarasu, said you should have a gap uh, between activities because somebody wants asked Reverend Akegarasu, you you never get tired when you're so busy playing that. He always puts a mental gap between activities. Um, When he's finished with something, he's finished with it. You you don't start doing something else, still pondering or thinking previously, or you're not pondering and thinking about what's what's next. So you deal with what you're doing 100%. And when it's over, you do the next thing 100%. So you don't let the past or the present sort of contaminate the present. You don't let the past or future contaminate the present. Uh, If you want to remember the past or you want to plan about the future, then do it 100%. In the present, okay. uh, of course, all in is an interesting uh, phrase, and all in Finn. I'm not sure why they named their new cat Finn, but all in Finn. <laughs> That's a pretty good name, and uh, we can sort of imagine <laughs> that cat. <laughs> Picture that cat, huh? Uh, infiltrating himself and make, make, you know, persistent. This is a good place. This is a good home. Let me in. Okay. Coming in and taking over, making oneself at home and so forth. Well, of course, all in. Immediately, I think about the poker association, the terminology when when you say, I'm all in, meaning, you're betting everything that you got. Uh, and uh, it's not that common during, say, one one session of poker, but uh, when someone says, hey, I'm all in. Okay. Sometimes you don't have much money. You've been losing. You don't have much, much money. You don't have a pile of money in front of you. all well, chips, I should say. So it's easy to say I'm all in. Uh, but when you got a lot, and the other person has a lot, and you say, I'm all in, gee, should you, should the other person's call the bet, or, wow, you know, it's it, it's it's a very sort of tense, exciting moment. Okay. And the meaning is the same as, uh, as what the message is about. Okay. You put everything in there. 
common, very popular phrase, carpe diem, seize the day, is the meaning or translation from the Latin. And I think a lot of people, it helps them to to get their motor running in the morning. I'm going to seize the day. Now, sometimes I'm reminded of talking about our pets. Every morning I go out to get the paper. And, uh, of course, we live on a wooded lot, so many acres, and there's neighbors are not real close by. There's not a busy street around. And so the dogs could run around freely. So they go with me to pick up the paper. They have a long gravel driveway, about 300 yards. And But when I open the door to try to well, get some resemblance of that they're not out of control and wild, uh, we taught them when that door, they don't just run out, but they wait. So, you know, and so I open the door. And I look out there to see see what the situation is, just for the heck of it. And then I wave my hand. I said, you know, okay. And then they dash out there. That's our morning routine. But when I say they dash out there, you know, uh, they they run like crazy. They're seizing the day. That really brings a smile to my face and. I don't know how it motivates me, but that enthusiasm, and of course the fact that you might say, yeah, they don't know any better. That's just their their nature. They're not trying to rev themselves up or seize the day or live 100% and so forth. But still, because of their innocence or their, their nature, Every morning is a new day. It's a fresh day. It's the only day they run out there. And say, Why? And they, you know, uh, they really run out there, run down the driveway. And uh, my father used to. One of his favorite teachings was, "Means equals end." Now, equals means equals end, not means to an end. What this means is that uh, it's the doing that how you do something is important, not just what you're trying to, what is the purpose of your action. So much, is it worthwhile for me to engage in this activity to get a desired end, or is it too much trouble, or, you know, the nature of purposeful behavior? And the dualistic way is, oh, this is a means to an end. Or sometimes people would say, the end justifies the means. It doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you get the end result. That's the opposite of the Buddhist teaching of means equals end and doing something 100%. You you don't love someone and say, well, I, I, I love you if you love me back. No, no. Love has got to be unconditional, absolute, not contingent and dependent upon. Of course, you know, there's a lot of unpacking and qualifications. You might want to start 
when you're discussing relationships, but there has to be a kind of a joy in the doing. Otherwise, how do you want to live life? What is the purpose of my life, you might say? How to live? Sometimes in Zazen or sitting meditation, in uh, Dogen, the founder of Soto Buddhism, he has a famous, one of his famous uh, teaching phrases, Shikan Taza. Okay. Just sit. And throw body and mind away and just sit. Uh, what's the purpose of sitting? Most people in the dualistic Western frame of motivation would say, well, I'm sitting meditation so I could become enlightened. Sitting is just the means to the end. Uh, Dogen's another famous teaching is practice is enlightenment. Oh, that's, I'm telling you, that's kind of deep. What's the purpose of sitting meditation? In a way, you could say, well, the purpose is to discover what purpose means. Or, in the Buddhist literature, the kind of uh, paradoxical statements that it's famous for is like, purposeless purpose. You can't say that there's really no purpose in what you're doing. And yet it cannot be the dualistic, self-conscious, subject-object type of duality. I'm doing this so that I could get this. Even though that, (laughs) yeah, there is that element. Terms of one's richness of his life means equals N. The equal sign, I just heard something new that I learned. I don't remember what, what it was about, what the context was, but the person said, equals, two lines for the equal sign. And that two lines means it goes in both directions. There's no little arrow at the end of each line, but that's what this person was saying, that there's two lines because then it says it could go one way, it could go back the other way. In other words, they influence one another. They're not just two separate things. Um, Usually if you have only just one hyphen or one dash in there, it's separating two things, two nouns. That's why sometimes I use, one of my phrases was, live in the hyphen. Especially when you're talking about subject-object. I'm doing this. Dancer and a dance. A singer and a song. But that hyphen, that that activity, movement, action is in the hyphen, is in the, there's only and what we're, sense of what we're talking about in, in the sense of non-duality would be that, no, there's no dancer or dance. There's just dancing. There's no singer or song. There's just singing. Or on the other end, I've read phrases that say, make this same point. They'll say, heard so deeply, it's not heard at all. What does that kind of a paradoxical phrase mean spiritually? It's talking about 
all in. <laughs> Doing something 100%. And in fact, that's what meditation means. It uh, doesn't mean just sitting quietly. And uh, If I could just sit, if I could just do anything, just that's all in. And that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you.